What's going on, everyone? I am J.M. Banks, and this is Urban Alchemy Podcast, brought to you by the Pitch Podcast Network via Adore Labs. Be sure to check out our site on adorelabs.com or download the Adore app to get access to our full catalog of past episodes. Now we are able to feature interactive episodes with pictures, links to websites, polls, and much more. Thank you all so much for joining us for today's episode. It is our Monday media review, so we will be doing a film review for you today. It is just me, myself, and I, as you can tell, holding it down without my wonderful co-host, Eric Hawthorne. Unfortunately, we are having to deviate from our Christopher Nolan scheduled movie reviews uh, that we had planned for the next few episodes. So today I'm going to be handling things by myself. So hope you guys don't mind too much. First, I wanted to give a special thanks to all of the listeners around Kansas City, around Missouri, around the Midwest and country and all around the world. Thank you so much for making this show possible. I appreciate all of you for tuning in each and every week and checking out our episodes and what we have going on here in the city. So shout out to everybody out there and special thank you to all the organizations we are working with here on this podcast, such as the Kansas City Association of Black Journalists, the Pitch KC, the Kansas City Star Advisory Board, and the Village KC Non-For-Profit. Those are some amazing organizations here in the Kansas City area. I am so blessed to be able to work so closely with them. So please support those organizations. Check them out on social media. Follow, share, comment, like, and get the word out because we need the need the help from the community to make sure those organizations are getting the support they need. Also, music for the episode is going to be coming to us from our old friend Styles the Artiste. His track, Come So Far. Please check out that young man. He is an incredible rapper, incredible artist, and also a fraternity brother of mine. So, all-around good guy, all-around great artist. Check that man out. Available on our playlist, Urban Alchemy Playlist, via Spotify. So, be sure to support those artists that you hear on this podcast as well. Lastly, before we get into it, one small request. If you happen to like our content, subscribe online to our social media, uh, our Facebook, Urban Alchemy Podcast, as well as our uh, support group, Urban Alchemy Support Group. Both on Facebook, we are also on Instagram, so make sure to follow Urban Alchemy Podcast. I am super sorry, you guys who are big Instagram users. I'm not on there a whole lot. I really have been trying my best to pick up on getting on Instagram more and posting on there and making little clips and whatnot. It's just not my forte, so I'm trying to uh, master that as well. So please bear with me, all of my Instagram heads out there, as I continue to master that endeavor. So for today's movie review, I'm going to be giving my thoughts on the 2021 film that just occurred on HBO Max, Mortal Kombat. Now, as you all know, if you have been listening to the show for any particular instance of time, myself and Eric are big comic book fans, big video game fans. So this movie was something I was really waiting for. I saw the I saw the trailer uh, a few months ago and I was just like, wow, this looks like something amazing, like something we have really been waiting for. Uh, Just a quick backstory. I can remember the first one uh, coming out and going to see that with my brothers. And it it was just so amazing. It was just such a great experience as a kid uh, to see because we had grown up on the Mortal Kombat games and to have a live action movie was just something really huge. And the first Mortal Kombat movie was epic beyond a doubt just something that was super incredible super dope just it blew my expectations as a kid i remember looking at that was it was just something so over the top and it was effects and it was 
I didn't know any of those actors. I, I don't, haven't seen any of them, anything since, I don't think. But it was just such a super dope movie. And for the time, it was just epic. And then fast forward a few years after that, and you have Mortal Kombat Annihilation come out. Now, Annihilation completely annihilated any kind of momentum that the Mortal Kombat franchise had going for it at that point. Because you just had a horrible story. They had to recast a bunch of people because uh, actors didn't want to come back. So a lot of the fan favorites weren't there except for Liu Kang. And yeah, I pretty much think that might have be, been it. But just everything from the CGI to the acting to the story to the everything was just terrible. To the fighting coordination. It just made absolutely no sense. I remember being a kid watching that movie like, yo, this makes absolutely no sense. So anytime a young child is able to differentiate the BS and just be like, yo, this is not even well made. The trailer came out for the 2021 version and I was like, yo, this looks like what we've been waiting for. This looks like the film that Mortal Kombat fans have been looking forward to see, or wanted to see back in the day. Like the first one was good. It was still very campy. It was still had CGI problem. It was it held up. It had nostalgia quality. It was short. It was sweet. And I enjoyed it. Uh, this one, I saw a lot of people did not like. A lot of people had a lot of problems with. I saw a lot of hate online. I saw a lot of people saying it was trash. I liked it. You know, I, I, I liked the trailer. I liked what it was going for. And I saw what it was going for as soon as the trailer popped up. I think I said it uh, with the Kong versus Godzilla trailer. Like, people are so bored. They're watching these trailers. And they're pretty much just ripping these movies apart and digging through each and every little to break up, break down the story and the plot. So they pretty much broke down what was going to happen just like in Kong and Godzilla in, with this movie. Like they pretty much decipher what the spoilers were going to be just from the, the little clips given in the trailer. So uh, that is one of my big criticisms of the HBO Max. Is they give a lot out in these trailers. And I really think that they need to hold some back. And with Mortal Kombat just being something that generations have been familiar with since like the early 90s. So, you know, my, my generation. So I'm in my early 30s. So you don't really have to worry about too many people not knowing about the Mortal Kombat property, let alone you don't really. I mean, I'm not even talking about the whole storyline. 30 years, I guess, of story just coming out game after game consecutively. You don't even need to know that. All you need to know is there's a tournament, there's Earth, and then there's Outworld. And there's a war between these two factions. So pretty much that's all you really need to know. But a lot of the times, especially even with Kong and Godzilla, you, you don't have to tell people who King Kong or who Godzilla is. So you don't really have to show that much. But because we want to get people excited in this COVID era where there's no movie theaters, you know, they want to capitalize on the folks just standing at home. But I feel like that kind of bites them in the end. When we, you know, I watch a lot of YouTube personalities and a lot of them do do these trailer breakdowns and a lot of them are dead on. They, they you know, notice little details here and there and they pretty much say, OK, I think this is what's going to happen. A lot of times they are right on the point. So the movie opens up. In feudal 17th century Japan, and we get to see the assassination of Shirai Ryu clan, which is Scorpion's clan, by Sub-Zero and the Lin Kuei clan. Now, if you know about the Mortal Kombat mythos, uh, that's a huge plot point within the story of Mortal Kombat. Scorpion is one of the most badass, iconic characters within video games. And his backstory has become something iconic as well. So we get to finally see that in live action. And it is it is gruesome. Like they really one thing I really loved is how they they played up Sub-Zero. Like they let you know, like this guy is a beast. Like this guy is a monster, pure 
scary movie shit going on with this ice man like he pops up and he's scary he's legit scary especially uh later on in the movie where you start to just see stuff frost up and you're like oh shit you know the ice man cometh literally so that was super dope to see and just such an epic fight when you see scorpion still in his you know he's a human so he hasn't been turned into the specter that scorpion is so hanzo asashi is still the mortal version of that so he's killing these lin clay guys with his gardening uh kunai uh that he turns into his iconic you know spear throwing the spear so that's super dope and then we see sub-zero kill this guy with that kunai we shank him in the neck uh and and, and we get a short short scene of sub-zero's ice power so i thought that was super dope just to see they'll make sub-zero like a legit bad guy he's not like some mindless strong like he was in the first movie scorpion's wife get killed you see his son get killed you see his whole clan all the clan members get massacred but his daughter survives he has an infant daughter that they hid under some floorboards so the baby still survived as a lot of people guessed was going to happen in the trailer just by the little glimpses we got we cut to outworld we learned that earth realm has been defeated in the nine past tournaments of mortal Kombat, and after 10 victories outworld gets to conquer earth we have shang sung the evil sorcerer who is like the general of outworld who takes care of all the business on earth side of things so he has these like mercenaries working for him like sub-zero as well as Melina and a few others to assassinate these champions before they even make it to the tournament. So he's cheating. He's being a little dirty, sneaky cheat, which is another thing I really had an issue with. Like, cheating has always uh, been in the whole Mortal Kombat. Like, Outworld's always doing sneaky shit to try to win. However, Raiden was just, like, around watching the cheating, not doing shit. And it's just like, I can't interfere. That's against the rule. Nobody's playing by the rules in this game. Obviously, if they've won non-consecutive mortal combat cheating nobody's watching like we don't obviously have a referee stepping in saying yo foul so raiden get your ass in there and then as the movie goes on he starts interfering like he literally starts cutting in and teleporting people here and there and it's just like yo if you can do this now why didn't you do this then like you could have saved like a few people from getting hurt but fuck it who cares raiden was just a piece of shit this movie if you ask me uh, but we meet Cole Young, this original character that they made specifically for this film. And I, I see a lot of people saying like, yo, with all the, the 500 people in Mortal Kombat, the characters, why wouldn't you just take one of them and bring them over into this movie? And, you know, with the spoilers happening in the movie that everybody guessed, uh, with this Cole Young character, uh, I, I can see why they didn't want to connect, uh, him so, uh, intrinsically with one of these uh, iconic characters because they pretty much would switch up the mythos if they did that with any character if they connected him like they're going to connect with Cole Young in the, in, the, in the end of this movie but pretty much he's a shitty MMA fighter who can't win and he has a daughter and a wife we see him get his ass beat in an MMA fight and then we see him meet up with Jax and then we learn the story about these birthmarks dragon symbols that people seem to have on them Cole was born with them and we go on to learn that these are actually indicators of the champions in the Mortal Kombat tournament so if you got one of these, you are a champ. You can either get one like Cole by being like a descendant of somebody who was an Earth Realm champion, or you can kill one of the champions and take their symbol. It's it's interesting that that's something new that they put in here. That's not a, a part of the original mythos, but they also use that to flesh out how people have these special powers in this world, like how 
certain people are able to use like fireballs or certain people are able to run really fast or some people are able to shoot, you know, plasma or lasers or shit like that. Uh, things that never really get explained in the game. Just, we know, these people have these special abilities, uh, but they kind of de- de- define them in this movie better, uh, calling the Arcana. Uh, pretty much if you have the symbol, it unlocks the special power you have. So that's how they explain Sub-Zero has ice powers. That's how they explain Liu Kang can shoot fireballs. That's how they explain Kano has a laser beam out of his eye, even though in the in the game that was via a robotic eye of some sort. Uh, but yeah, it, it's cool. I saw a lot of people didn't like that, but I really like that they were able to explain that other than just leave it very ambiguous as to why these people are doing these amazing feats or pretty much goddamn X-Men at this point. But yeah, as the uh, movie goes on, uh, Jax ends up rescuing Cole and his family from uh, Sub-Zero. Once again, it was that cool scene where like they get attacked at a burger joint with Sub-Zero walking down the street and just turning moisture out of the air into ice. It, it's just so badass to see him just go just like a, almost like a Michael Myers, just walk up, just killing people left and right. Uh, and it's just brutal. And you really have this sense of dread as you see this guy in this movie. So that's when we have that scene that they showed in the trailer for some reason with Jax fighting uh, Sub-Zero, which I definitely felt like they should not have shown because that's like two of the greatest scenes in this whole movie is him blasting that shotgun at point blank range with with sub-zero freezing it as the as the buckshots are coming out as well as the scene of him freezing his two arms solid Jax's two arms and then shattering them which then leads us to another criticism i have with this movie is how the hell was Jax able to get these robotic arms in this desert monastery like i know they said they scoured the realms to find cures but you mean to tell me there's a realm where they have robotic arms? I, I, I don't understand. And it, it, if so, if you can travel to these realms to get these arms, who the hell is traveling to these realms? Is it Raiden? Because if Raiden can do this, he's obviously breaking these so-called rules he has. But it, it's just one thing they were just like, yeah, he has these arms now. and Nobody's really going to talk about them. And then that ends up being his arcana is the arms can transform into bigger arms. I'm like, yo, do they keep growing if he just keeps powering up like what the hell like i just don't understand how that worked but you know whatever whatever they tried to use that arcana thing to explain everything and it didn't explain everything unfortunately as the cole young and his family gets away he ends up meeting up with sonia sonia blade uh, another character from the original movie or the original game i should say but he ends up meeting with her on the directions of Jax before he went to go fight sub-zero and hold him off so they can make their escape Track down Sonya Blade, and I also had a big problem with Sonya Blade and Jax being the ones who were doing all this research, and they were believing about all this mythos and magic and tournaments and, you know, uh, other dimensions, as opposed to them being like the traditional special forces, like, hey, shit's going on, we're just trying to stop it. You know, I, I would have much rather it be just Liu Kang and Kung Lao tracking people down, telling them about this, trying to convince them. As opposed to these CIA special forces people saying, yo, like you have to come with us and, you know, explain it to people. It just didn't make sense to me like that. But also, you know, them having Kano for some reason, like Sonya should have just killed Kano to get his his marking. Although like a big chunk of this movie could have been solved if they would have just killed Kano. Like they explained Kano got his mark from killing somebody who had the, the mark of the champion. 
So, in other words, he wasn't born with it. This wasn't his destiny. He just inherited it. Why Sonya was keeping him alive before even knowing he knew like where Raiden's temple was is beyond me. I have no idea. But it, it was it's just one of those lazy points of the movie. And it does have a few lazy points where it's just like, you know, we have to have something happen. So let's just move it along. Let's let's not worry about those details here. So, yeah, she explained to him about the tournament and what happens if they lose and, and you know, what they have to do. So pretty much they end up um, getting attacked by Reptile, which is a shit version of Reptile. I would have liked if they would have used the ninja version like they did in the first movie and then transition him to the to the more animalistic reptilian version of the character. But just a small nitpick. Uh, but yeah, Kano was actually one of the best parts of this movie. Just very funny. All the one-liners he was hidden. It was just super funny, and I really hated to see what happened to him in the end. Uh, very predictable, because you know the character. You know he's a piece of shit who can't be trusted. But, uh, yeah, it, it was super dope uh, just to see that. Uh, but yeah, as they get back to the monastery, somehow Jax survived, and they found him and built him robot, little tiny Tinker, t- tinker Table uh, robot arms. And, yeah, they're in this monastery training with uh, Liu Kang and Kung Lao, trying to develop their special powers. And with that, uh, they pretty much learned that, um, and, and that's another thing, the, the Shang Tsung and his crew just show up automatically. And they're like, yo, we're just about to kill all you guys. Fuck the tournament. There's not going to be a tournament. And it's just like, yo, Raiden's here. He's always talking about these rules. Why can't he just be like, yo, let's take it up with the ref or whoever referees these damn things? Uh, he doesn't. Uh, he puts up a force field that uh, evidently can be broken by somebody like Kano, who just has an eye laser. So, yeah, Kano flips sides because he's a criminal, as you would expect, and joins Shao Kahn. Shao Kahn has this dope-ass scene where he just straight-up sucks the soul out of Kung Lao, which uh, was dope because that's straight out the video games. Kung Lao also has a, has a fatality he does with uh, Nintiri. I'm not super familiar with that character because I'm not super up on the most recent Mortal Kombat games, but it was super dope. Just cut her completely in two. And then you saw the characters like Cabal, General Raiko, and yeah, Melina from the beginning, who Melina was super dope as well. But yeah, that was pretty much the middle point where they're getting their ass beat. Everybody has to retreat. Raiden decides he's going to take them to this middle uh, void place where they can't be followed. And then it's like, yo, why the hell wouldn't you take them there in the first place? Like, why couldn't you just skip over the whole temple part, knowing that that bitch could be infiltrated? And then you put the force field up, knowing that the force field could be broken. Why, why not just bypass all the bullshit and take them directly to this middle ground where nobody can reach you? Raiden was just doing stupid stuff like that. Oh, Raiden also does another stupid thing where he just out the blue lets Shang Tsung and Sub-Zero know that Cole Young is the descendant of Scorpion. And just to, just to let you, just pretty much to say, nah, 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 nah boo boo, you didn't kill the family, uh, which automatically puts a bullseye on not only Cole Young's family, but uh, not only Cole Young, but his family as well, because he's like, yo, now I got to kill the whole family. Wipe out the line like I thought I had did. Thanks, Raiden. Just shut up. But then he separates them all. uh, Excuse me. Let me back up. Before that happens, he sends Cole home because Cole can't activate his arcana. So he's like, yo, you ain't got it in you. Go home. Cole goes home and gets attacked by Goro. Another thing I really didn't like, like you don't just drop Goro in the middle of the movie as a side boss. Like Goro 
is the boss before you get to the main boss. So the fact that they were, you know, this wasn't even his uh, main battle, which was like Sub-Zero. It was just like, yo, he beat Goro in his first fight. Yo, this is not the way it goes. But who cares? It's it's a movie. I get it. They have enough characters to throw away the first go round, especially if they're only making three. But I, I heard people sign contracts for five. So I don't know what's going on. I don't know if they're doing a prequel or epilogue or what. But uh, on top of a trilogy, so a prequel, epilogue, trilogy, who knows? Uh, but yeah, they, they kill Goro. He, he unlocks his arcana, which is this weird armor cord, metal cord armor stuff he has wrapping around his body, which makes him not only durable, but he can absorb, you know, kinetic energy. So he's like a guy like Black Panther's suit does. So he can pretty much absorb that energy that's getting dealt out to him and you know hit him hit back his opponent with you know that force so he he pretty much does that chops off girl's hand slices him in the in the abdomen and, and pokes him through the face with like these uh toffa spike things yeah it was it was pretty goddamn brutal but i just didn't like that they punked out goro that early in the first movie like at least save him for the second movie during the tournament, which is Goro's pretty much his purpose in the movie is to like be the person in the tournament, just like the the, the trump card to beat it. Like anybody makes it to the end, they gonna get they they gotta fight Goro. But they changed it. Who cares? Uh, minor gripe on my end. Yeah, after that, Raiden's finally starts using his powers to separate the Outworld uh, champions. Or the Outworld mercenaries who have been killing off all the uh, Earth Realm champions. So they separate them to all these various locations where they can fight on one on one. Kano fights uh, Sonya, Jax fights Raiko, uh, Melina fights Cole Young, and then they all plan to go up against Sub Zero. Sub Zero ends up kidnapping Cole Young's family because, of course, he knows now that Cole Young is the descendant of Scorpion. Uh, so he kidnaps his family and lures him into a uh, engagement by himself. Uh, so he's pretty much Cole is getting his ass whooped because his power don't really matter uh, about it doesn't help him against the code. It only helps him against getting hit. But, but Sub-Zero can pretty much freeze him in place so he can't move. And as he's getting his ass whooped, he pulls out the kunai uh, with blood on it from Scorpion that Raiden had taken at the beginning of the movie uh, after Scorpion had gotten killed by the Lin, you know, Sub-Zero and the Lin Kuei. Uh, so he takes it out and tries to stab Scorpion with it, and Scorpion takes that shit out of his hand and pretty much stabs uh, Cole with it. And while his blood goes on the uh, kunai, it ends up resurrecting Scorpion. So Scorpion actually is only in the first, like, seven minutes of the movie in the last five or ten minutes of the ending. So... That trailer really made you think like Scorpion was going to be a bigger part of the movie than he really was. Unfortunately, he wasn't. But when he pops up, they have a great scene. Once again, they showed too much of it in the trailer. So we knew a lot of the big points they were having, uh, such as uh, Scorpion actually throwing the kunai chain at, you know, Sub-Zero yelling, get over here, as well as uh, Sub-Zero using his ice sword and cutting him to make a, a blood sickle stabbing him and then throwing him through an ice wall it was just a lot they gave away that they really shouldn't have. they should have saved that i would have loved to have seen that for the first time but they it was a great fight still and but one thing i didn't like at the end was the fact that they needed scorpion as well as cole young to team up 
against Sub-Zero. Like, no, Scorpion can handle Sub-Zero by himself. Like, maybe not in his mortal state because Sub-Zero already, already had his ice powers and, and, and uh, Hanzo was just a uh, human. However, in the Scorpion form, he's got the fire, he's got, like, the, the, the hellfire and the chain and, like, he just has his own powers. Like, he don't need no help. But the fact that they were just, like, they got to team up on this guy. I didn't like, but then, you know, they rescue his family, uh, Scorpion pretty much lets Cole Jung, you know, like, you know, continue my line, you know, make me proud, boy, or some shit like that, so pretty much at the end of the movie, and they do a really cool thing where they beat his ass, and, you know, uh, Sub-Zero's ass, and he ends up, like, having to take off his little ice armor, so he's just in the whole black, and anybody who knows Mortal Kombat knows, like, he turns into a, uh, a wraith, named noob cybot and he wears he's ninja who's all black so that was a cool little homage and then scorpion ends up taking off his mask and pulling off his comic book fatality and another thing i didn't like is the half skull i actually read that the reason that they couldn't do the full skull like they did in the fatality within the video game is because in china they can't show skulls for some odd reason but the half skull was acceptable so they only got to show the half skull being burnt away as his face you know as the fire came out of his mouth and he charred Sub-Zero. So we got to see that. That was super dope. Uh, yeah, they are supposed to be making a lot more of these movies. Uh, so just out of, of scoring-wise, I would probably give it a, a 6 out of 10. Um, maybe even a 6.5. Uh, it wasn't horrible. I, I didn't hate it. Uh, it. It was good for what it was. It was an enjoyable experience for myself. I, I can't speak for everybody. I really enjoyed it. it. It was just a good time all around for myself. So I, I would recommend it. I have not really spoken to Eric about it. I don't know if he has seen it as of yet. But yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a dope movie. So if you are interested, check it out. It is available on HBO Max. It has a lot of good action. Uh, story is kind of weak in places, but overall, if you're just looking for something to watch, I give it my recommendation, and I do look forward to seeing what they have planned for the franchise in the future. So yeah, that's all I have for today uh, for our movie review. Uh, once again, be sure to check us out on our website at adorylab.com or download the Adory app. So thank you all so much for joining us uh, for today's episode, and I hope you all enjoy my review for Mortal Kombat on HBO Max. Once again, music for the episode is going to be brought to us by Styles the Artist and his track comes so far. So be sure to check him out on our playlist, Urban Alchemy Playlist on Spotify. So you all be sure to check out everything we have going on with the podcast. Also, if you have not heard, we have been nominated for the Kansas City's People's Choice Award for Best Podcast. So if you can, please make sure to visit the website for voting, uh, which opened up last week, I believe. Uh, so please vote us for best podcast and check out the nominees because we have a few individuals who have featured on the podcast who are also nominated for various positions. So I'm going to uh, actually be having a few people in for interviews who are running and are nominated in categories. So. Be on the lookout for that. We are the only podcast here in Kansas City offering exclusive interviews with nominees for the Kansas City's People's Choice Awards. 
So we're always trying to stay ahead of the competition in our endeavors. So please be sure to check us out and please be sure to check out all the individuals who are nominated. They are all incredible and I'm so blessed to be featured in an awards ceremony with so many talented individuals from within my community. So shout out to all of them. Shout out to all of us. We are trying our best to make this community something better. So please be sure to check us all out and support those individuals trying to do the work in the community to uplift them. So, yeah, that is all I have. So you all stay safe It's been a long journey, couple times I done lost sight. Humble by stumbles, keeping faith is the worst fight. Riddle with guilt, I'm moving on, I done lost lights. Family and friends come back around when that line lights. They searching your name, the fame, you must be the boss, right? With fortune campaign, if they don't game, then you flaw, right? Whatever that mean. I've been growing through the weather, I mean. It seems like a dream whenever I'm flashing the screen. And all this struggle made me better. You know what I mean? At times I couldn't survive and all I had was this dream. Then I look back and I see that I've come so far. Only difference from starving artists to being a star is the people that's watching and if they touching your hearts. Do you give life to the dreamers or inspire their heart? What was your goal from the start? Do you really think you're talented? And if it really blows, are you sure that you can handle it? Can you take the lows or you just want the advantage? You probably think you're safe from this point, but from the vantage spot. But I just been obsessed Cursed with the mind that struggles Accepting what others get Looking at our reality Knowing this ain't the best And put the world on my shoulder I'll fix it, make it connect Another damaged soul Just needing a place to fit I'm trying to fit the mold This puzzle doesn't make sense With all these lost hearts And all I'm loving is this Giving my life to you and the music Is this a gift? Is this a risk that I gotta take? If I want us to be great I'm only human, yeah, I make a mistake Can you accept me as I am Or will you give me the blade? Cutting into my soul Before you throw me away I hear chasing the money only leads to the grave And on the road to the devil, good intentions are paid But when God gives you a gift that you don't use, you betray them Passion, knowledge alone, or your presence is wasted It's not about the wind, but I'm close, I can taste it My name is in the room with unfamiliar faces And on days I wake and I don't think I'm gonna make it I look myself in the mirror, stand me right in my face and say 